0: Well, who's glad to be worshiping the Lord today? Come on, put your hands together. It's so good to be able to be with you. I want to greet everyone at every one of our locations in Binghamton, Cortland, Corning, and then everybody join us online. Come on, church, put your hands together. Make them feel welcome. We love you guys. We're so glad to be able to tune in with you. This is a great moment. I want you to look right at me. I'm going to look right at you. I want you to hear this from the bottom of my heart. I love you. I care about you, I've been praying for you, and I'm believing that God is gonna do something in your life today. Well, over the last couple of weeks, we've had a bunch of fun. I know everybody that was joining us online did not like it, but everybody that was in person had a great time for Blackbuster Weekends. We had a phenomenal experience together. I want to give you a quick update. 14 people gave their lives to Jesus over the last three weeks, and so that's a fantastic, fantastic thing. I celebrate every person that gives their life to Christ. Today, we are kicking off small groups, and so that's going to be happening all over the place, and this is our fall session. It's going to go all the way up to December 12th, or December 11th, and I know that uh, if you are looking to get it connected into a small group, you can go to tworivers.church slash groups. There's about 30 different groups in the online directory there. Group leaders are going to be going around inviting people into their groups. If you didn't get invited, you can go to that link on small groups, find a group, email the leader, and then jump in. It's going to be an awesome, awesome time to connect. And I love it because we get to find ways to create community and do life together. And that all happens when you jump into a small group uh this month i am looking forward to a two rivers halloween it's going to be on a sunday morning we're going to change how we do church it's going to be awesome awesome sunday and so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of change how we do the sunday experience cater it all the way around the kids environment we're going to have trunk or treats and hay rides and cider and donuts and costume contests and all kinds of stuff And then what we'll have is in one experience time, we'll do about a 30-minute kids adult worship experience designed for kids to hear about trusting in God. And so we're going to need a bunch of people jumping involved and getting connected to that. And you should have received an email already. It should be in your inbox with a link that you can click on and volunteer to get involved with that Two Rivers Halloween event. Well, today we are starting a brand new series based on the book, God of the Underdogs. And it's by Matt Keller. It's one of my friends in the Association of Related Churches. And if you want, you can find this book and resources out in the lobby at the end of the experience today. And you can get that book and follow along with us throughout this series. Because everyone loves an underdog story. For as long as I can remember, I've always rooted for the underdogs. In fact, I've, I have always rooted for uh, Darth Vader in the Star Wars series because I knew that the evil guy was always the underdog. some reason, he's supposed to be the top dog, but I knew in weird reversal that Darth Vader was the guy that was destined to lose, and I always wanted him to win. And actually, he kind of does win, so that's not a great illustration. <laughs> But I'm discovering that I'm not alone in rooting for the underdog. There's a little piece in all of us that wants the underdog to win. And I think it's because somewhere deep down inside of us we have this understanding of our own humanity that in some way we don't measure up. Like I know better than anyone else what my own failings are. You know better than anyone else where you fall short. And when we're looking in the mirror, we see a number of excuses why we couldn't or we shouldn't be the one who accomplishes great things. And this series is meant to inspire you to be a part of the movement that's happening through this church. Over the past eight years, God has been using broken and messed up people to change the world. The days of allowing our excuses to hold us back are over the world is poised for you to rise. Not as perfect leaders, but as underdogs who understand our weaknesses and choose to make a difference anyway. Any person God's ever used has a justifiable excuse as to why he or she shouldn't or couldn't be used by God to accomplish great things. Everyone, no exceptions, not One, if you've ever had a dream to do something great, to accomplish something significant, to make a difference in our world but have struggled to believe you could actually do it, this is the series for you. I believe you're gonna change your world. God wants to use you as he's used the greatest influencers in the Bible. We're underdogs. So were they. They were individuals who overcame their excuses, they served the God of the underdogs, and they changed their world. So nine years ago, my wife and I were living in Springfield, Missouri. She's pregnant, I've got an 18-month-year-old daughter. Everything we had, we packed it up into a moving truck, and on June 3rd of 2012, we said goodbye to our church, We went to a pizza joint for kids, ate some of the worst pizza you could ever eat, (laughs) hugged everyone's necks, and got in the truck. And the next day, as we're driving the truck, I'm feeling exhilarated. And at the same time, I'm vacillating from exhilaration. In the next minute, I'm feeling unqualified to do what God's called me to do, I'd never planted a church. We didn't have any money. We didn't have any facilities. I had a couple of guys who were sort of willing to come to Binghamton who said, hey, I'll come. And we were heading to a place that I was told was a church graveyard. Like people laughed at me like, oh, you're gonna go plant a church in the Northeast. That's not gonna work. That doesn't go well. And on June 4, 2012, we crossed with our, with our RV or whatever you put all the, what's it called, the truck with all the moving, the moving van, the moving truck, 26-footer. We crossed the state line in our U-Haul, there we go, into New York, and we started our lives as underdogs. The moment I got to Binghamton, people started asking the question, like, why are you coming to Binghamton? Why would you come here? Because all the stats of Binghamton in 2012 were bad: recession, depression, addiction, and general regression. And 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 as I'm staying in a camper in my mother and father-in-law's front yard out in Windsor, if you've ever been to Windsor, you know it's just a small podunk town in the backside of nowhere can't get cell reception. And I'm asking God, why did you send me to Binghamton? What am I doing here? And the response that I got from God was if you could grow a church here with all that's going wrong, with all the factors that everybody looks at and says that's the impossible, with all the excuses to fail, then the church that grows there and grows there can develop and go anywhere. And if I'm guessing, yeah, it's all right, it's good. I'm guessing that you felt the same way as me at some point on the first day of a job or you chose to do a speech or a presentation of some kind and you're doubting yourself the entire time. Maybe someone told you you're unqualified or you're facing a giant of some kind that seems insurmountable. We've all had the moments when we say, surely I'm not the right one, God. I, I think you probably better use somebody else. Not this instance, not me. In fact, it brings us to our first underdog excuse, excuse number one. And if you have your notes, go ahead and take it out and you're, you're going to, This is the title of today's message. Our underdog excuse is, I'm not qualified enough. If you don't have notes, the ushers are going to come. Just slip your hands up, and they're going to make sure everybody gets notes so they can follow along. I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to to the story of Samuel and the calling of David in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Samuel is called by God to choose the next king of Israel. So it says in 1 Samuel 16, beginning at verse one, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Since I've rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. And I want you to write this down. God wants to do something new in our lives. Turn to your neighbor and tell him new Oh, come on, church. That was as weak as it gets. Turn to your neighbor and tell him God wants to do something new. new That's a little bit better. You'll get along with it. Here we go. So Saul, here's what's going on. Saul was anointed king. Saul becomes king. Saul's following God one minute and then disobeying God the next minute. Like a Like a teeter-totter in Saul's life, Saul is... Following God, disobeying God. Following God, disobeying God. Maybe it feels that way in your own life. Following God, disobeying God. Following God, disobeying God. What happens is that Saul's life in many ways characterizes our present day leaders. Many leaders in the church, we see leaders all the time falling, They're having moral lapses, but we see entire movements within the church who've decided that they're no longer going to embrace the word of God as the word of God. And so we see leaders who are saying, I'm going to follow God and then yet not following God. And what happens is God has decided with Saul that he can no longer lead Israel. That, that Saul has to be replaced, and, and I believe it that God today is looking for a new generation of Christians who are underdogs. You have permission right now to, to believe that God is going to use you. God is looking for all-in people. People are going to serve him wholeheartedly. There's a generation of people who are going to give themselves to the calling of God, and follow unswervingly the directions that God's given. You're going to make history, and you're going to come straight out of Binghamton. You're going to be in Cortland. You're going to be in Cortland. You're going to be from wherever you're joining us online, and God is going to use you to make an impact. God wants to do something new. In your life, the trajectory that you're on gets reoriented around God's calling. It's hard to follow God and go your own way. And God's looking for people who will say, you know what, I've been doing things my way. Right now it's time to do something new. It's time to go God's way. Verse 2 says this, but Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he's going to kill me. So this brings us to number two. New things always come with fear. Somebody better just shiver. Ooh. This is what God's telling Samuel. I want you to go anoint a new king. And this is a big deal. Samuel is freaked out by God's instructions. This is going to get me killed, God. Like, this is big. This is a big deal that you're telling me to do. This is going to turn everything upside down. Like, this is going to change Israel. This is going to change history. And what God wants us to do in our world isn't fuzzy in his mind. God's not freaked out by our messed up world. I know everybody gets agitated about politics and what's happening with the president or not happening with the president. What they think should be happening politically. And God stands sovereign over it all. And what God is doing inside of our lives is leading us to depend on him. Can I get an amen? If you're you're waiting for all the stars to align before we step out for God, you're going to miss it. We can't hesitate. Samuel's like, oh, wait a second here. I'm going to die. And our fear has to take back seat to our faith. Every new thing comes with a little bit of fear. How am I, this is what I'm asking my, like my wife's asking me, how are we going to make money? Who's going to be on the team? Who's going to cover our medical expenses for my wife who's six months pregnant? What if the New York district doesn't approve of us starting a new church in Binghamton? We didn't have any of those answers. God told us to go. We said yes. We rolled out. I didn't know all the details of how God was going to put it all together. Like, what if the church fails? At that time, we heard these stats like 80% of church plants are going to fail within the first five years. I'm signing a contract with the Association of Related Churches that I'm going to be personally responsible for the $50,000 that they might potentially give to us. And then I sign another contract with the Church Multiplication Network that I'm responsible for that 30K. I'm like, what's going to happen? I don't know. This is going to get ugly. I'll have nothing to show for it. And you know what I had to do? I had to let my fear drive me to God. It it became in my life a blessing to be involved in something that's bigger than myself. That I actually had to engage my faith in a way that I promise you when You know, your whole financial future is resting on whether or not God spoke to you. You're going to lean into Jesus. We got a lot of bored Christians who are like, oh, I don't know if I need to even go to church because you're not engaged in your God destiny. You're not engaged in the purpose that's going to require everything of you. That it's so big that it scares the living daylights out of you. Of course it's going to be scary. Of course it's going to be terrifying. And because of that, we lean into God all the more. When we obey God, he becomes responsible for the outcome. When God says go, I say yes. And then it's up to God what he does from there. And so God gives Samuel these specific instructions in chapter 16 verse 2 the Lord said take a heifer with you and say I've come to sacrifice to the Lord you invite Jesse to the sacrifice I'll show you what to do you're to anoint for me the one I indicate it's pretty clear instructions so Samuel did what the Lord said in verse 4 when he arrived at Bethlehem the elders of the town trembled when they met him They ask you, come in peace. Here comes this prophet. They know he's like, this is the guy that anointed Saul king, and now he's been having confrontations with Saul. He's going to get us in trouble. And sure enough, Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Sneaky move. Now they can't go narc on him. Because they were at the anointing of the new king. They don't want that information to leak. Were you there? Yes, I was there. Well, take his head too. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. 1 Samuel sixteen six. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. This guy looks good. This guy this guy's definitely king material. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't consider his appearance, his height, I hate this verse I don't claim this verse I'm six foot five for I've rejected him the Lord says this is not of the Lord the Lord does not look at the things people look at people look at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel but Samuel said the Lord has not chosen this one either then Jesse had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are all the sons, is this all you have? This is, this, there is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. So this is number three. God's plan is always different from our plan. God's plan is always different from our plan. Samuel obeyed God until the instructions ran out. Imagine the awkward moment for Samuel when he's like going through all the sons. And he's like, that's not the one, that's not the one. And he runs out of sons. He's like, God, you told me to go anoint one of Jesse's sons. Now I'm here. I've been, I've run all seven of them in front of me, not one of them, you've rejected all of them, so now I'm going to die, all these people are going to die, and you hung me out to dry. Like, this is not a good moment. Saul's going to kill me, God's abandoned me. I thought this was the plan, God. I thought that this was how things were going to run. You said, go do this stuff, and... None of the things that you told me to do seem to be working. Anybody been there before? I'm trying to be obedient, God, and uh, nothing that you've said seems to be working out. So Samuel, being an experienced man of God, gets a little creative. Something's wrong here. God spoke to me. This thing's got to move. Maybe there's more going on than I can see. So he digs in a little further. And he asks, there's got to be some other, there's got to be another son somewhere. Because God said one of your sons was going to be anointed king. When God gives you a word, you got to stand on that word. When God speaks to you, you got to trust that God is able. If you're an underdog, you're not qualified by all the reasons that other people look at. You're qualified by your ability to obey God. God does the rest. God's looking for the obedience of Samuel. God's looking for the obedience of Saul. God is looking for the obedience of David. Saul didn't want to obey, Samuel obeyed, David obeyed. Samuel was able to anoint David king because Samuel was obedient. This moment is shaking the destiny of the entire nation. It has reverberations all the way down to you and I. Because 42 generations after David comes Jesus in David's bloodline. And you and I are in Jesus' bloodline today. We've been covered by the blood. We've been adopted. We've been grafted into the family of God. We are transplants into the kingdom. And I don't have to understand it all to obey. We have to obey God, and God's going to reveal everything along the way. I thought, when I moved to Binghamton, I thought, okay, I'm talking to Bill Kirk. He's like, you know, it'll be amazing. There's a church that split out of another church in Binghamton. Calvary's love split from Binghamton First Assembly. They left, and they've been sort of not running in sequence and wouldn't it be super cool if those churches joined together and helped to plant two rivers assembly i mean your name is two rivers how crazy would that be don't clap it didn't happen i went and talked to the pastors of those churches i'm thinking man god's all over this god's calling me to plant here's these two good-sized churches in the city they're both healthy churches I show up, I knock on the door, I talk to the pastors. They're like, no, we're not going to help you plan. And I was like, but that was God's plan. (laughs) Like, this was the whole plan here, people. God sent me. I know I'm hearing God's voice. How come you're not hearing God's voice? And I thought it was supposed to be that that's how this thing was going to go. I had God always operates on a different plan than our plan. And God used that no to set me up to meet Jeff Leake at Allison Park Church. And looking hindsight back on that, I'm so grateful for God's no in my life to close a door to direct me to the open door. Because now I'm looking at it and, and I'm connect, we're connected as a church. To Allison Park Church, there's an amazing missions church, an amazing multiplication church. During our time, a 100 churches have been planted out of Allison Park Church. It's, It's got an amazing heart of generosity. We've planted eight different churches out of Two Rivers Church in the last eight years, including ourselves. And every one of those churches... Allison Park Church has given fifteen dollars or $30,000 to over and over and over again. They're connected to the Association of Related Churches. I'm the New York ARC meetup coordinator for the Association of Related Churches. Jeff Leek is on the Church Multiplication Network lead team. I'm now on the Church Multiplication Network lead team. God has used Jeff Leak and Allison Park Church in our church life to direct us and guide us and change everything that's doing but it wasn't my plan it was God's plan and so God has a better plan but it's a different plan and so we think we know what it's got to be but in the end we're to be obedient every closed door every time you got to know that it had to feel crazy for Samuel to say now show me the next one I mean, you gotta be like, how many times do we gotta do this and God's saying, nope, 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 nope. God, where are you? I know I can't be the only one that's been through those moments saying, God, I heard your voice and I stepped out in obedience and now you're supposed to do all the things I want you to do. And we gotta be ready as underdogs that God's gonna have a different plan for us. So 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 12, I'm gonna close with this. I'll have the team come back. So he sent for him and had him brought in. Here comes the youngest son. He's glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. So it's not like God needs you to be ugly. God's not opposed to you being a good-looking person. But God don't care. He's looking at your heart. Then the Lord said, and I always wonder, like, in the back of my head, I'm like, did David have that part added Like when this whole account was being written, like hold on, fellas, let me just add a part to the scriptures here. Just put in there that I was handsome. Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. I want you to turn to your neighbor, tell him you're anointed. You're anointed. Number four is this. God always chooses an underdog to change the world Jesse didn't think that David mattered why bring him from the field he's unqualified he's the youngest one and his brothers are all more talented and they all have other qualities and skills David's own father didn't see the potential in him and maybe someone hasn't believed in you Maybe it was a parent, a teacher, a coach, maybe a sibling, a friend. Maybe it's your own voice telling you that you aren't good enough. Perhaps that disbelief, maybe someone else spoke it into you, but you're speaking it into you, and you have made an agreement with whatever that voice over your life is, and that disbelief has kept you from pursuing your God given destiny. In my life, when I was running from God. I came to a point where I told God, as hard as I ran from you, I'm going to run toward you. And I'm beginning this repentance process in my life, and I'm returning to God. But I didn't fully in that time pursue my calling because I believed that my past sexual brokenness would be too much of a hurdle. I was concerned that it'd ruin my marriage. It's going to ruin my ministry. It's going to bring shame To God's church, it's going to be too much. God can't use me anymore, I'm stained, I'm broken. What if people knew how much I screwed up? What if they knew how much I've sinned, how much I've done to destroy my life? I couldn't believe that God could still use me. And that spirit of unbelief kept me from taking steps toward God and God's destiny and purpose in my life. That same thing came up in me. God called me to come plant a church. And here I am driving this truck hours and hours on the road, 18-hour trip from Springfield to New York. You got a lot of time for your head to spin. And that disbelief was rearing its ugly head. In my own life, as I've already sold the house, the the U-Haul is packed. I'm saying, God, I don't want my past and my own brokenness to unravel everything that you want to do. And I had to break one more time, that spirit of disbelief on my life. Because when God called me, he knew, he knew where I was, He knew what I was doing and how much I've sinned. He didn't make a mistake. God was calling an unclean, messed up man. He's calling an underdog. And look at me and hear this. You are not a mistake. God did not overlook you. You're chosen of God to break the spirit of unbelief in your life. You have permission today to break the curse and begin anew. I don't know what the devil's trying to say to you to immobilize you. But God is giving you strength to overcome the lies today. I'm an underdog pastor in an underdog city surrounded by underdog people. And maybe if you're like me, you've looked at yourself and you thought, I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified enough. I don't have the right experience. I don't have the right education. I don't have the right looks. I don't have the right background to this. There could be a thousand different excuses for why you're not qualified for what God is calling you to do. And I want you to look at me one more time, and I want you to hear this. All the wrong stuff plus God's hand of anointing equals the right person for the job. That when God anointed you, You have an anointing on your life. Samuel anoints David. From that moment on, the Bible says that the Spirit of God came on David mightily. That it's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Now, you don't have to have the best training. You don't have to have the best resources. You don't have to have the best connections. You don't have to have the right past experience because you have an anointing from God. When God anoints you, he gives you everything you need. And I want you to know this. There is a new breed of underdog coming out of this house. God's anointing broken people without the resources, without the qualifications, without the connections, without the right past. To courageously pursue our God's destiny and transform the world. A world that is full of broken men. Stop hurting people. People are wandering aimlessly. They're, they're pursuing possessions. They're pursuing power. They're pursuing position. And, and we have the answer. They're searching for what we have. They're searching for Jesus. God's calling us as underdogs to rise up with the message of hope in Jesus. He's anointing us with power to transform our world. I want you to put your hands out. I'm going to pray for you. I'm believing that God's going to begin to release a fresh anointing into your life. You're going to break the spirit of disbelief. You're going to break the spirit that says that you don't have what it takes. Every excuse, this excuse that I'm not qualified. We're going to break it off of your life because you've been anointed. So Jesus, I pray right now at every location, in every heart, where every hand is extended that you break off of us every excuse, every lie of the devil. I pray that all through this series, you call us, you equip us, you motivate us, that, God, we're going to be underdogs that are boldly saying yes to all that you do. We're going to follow you in every way. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.